Welcome back to the Stanfast Podcast. I don't like to be in a habit of consuming myself in the realm of politics, but more and more I feel that it is hard not to, and I see this, you know, you just see things going on in our country and in the world where it's really hard not to get at least partially involved into the realm of politics. But I do understand that it can be consuming, that it can be in, in what's another word, enveloping? I don't know. <laughs> Um, and it can take a lot of time and interest and thought and mind and stuff and you can really get nervous and stuff um, but uh, I, and I do think it's important but the Bible says in Philippians be careful for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving let your request be made known unto God so we're not to be careful for anything we're not to worry I don't believe um, and so I don't believe politics should be something that we, we spend a lot of time worrying about and then just in general um, maybe not something that we spend a crazy amount of thought time on. The Bible says uh, uh, that will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee because he trusteth in thee. So uh, God will keep uh, peace in your heart, peace in your mind uh, when you when your mind is stayed on him, when you are thinking godly thoughts, when you're thinking uh, biblical thoughts, uh, when you are meditating uh, as Psalm 1 says, meditating on God's word day and night. Uh, when we're thinking about the Lord and, and His work, we will be um, given peace of mind and peace of heart. So I believe, of all the things to consume our thought, time, and mind with, uh, I think the Word of God is best. And I think we see several several examples of that in the Bible. Um, all of this being said, uh, politics, I do believe, is a very important issue to discuss. It's something that I don't think people should be ignorant or naive about. And I plan on spending a little bit of time on this podcast uh, uh, speaking on such topics, um, such topics uh, concerning politics. So I started this new series and um, because I wanted it to be very clear that I don't want this to be something that uh, sucks up all our time, I am calling this politics with emphasis on the ticks and you'll see that maybe in the logo. I don't know how clever that was or how stupid that was, but that's what I came up with. So this is the new series, Politics. Um, let's go. Unless you've been living under a rock, uh, you probably know about the ongoing war in Ukraine. And uh, furthermore, America's backing of Ukraine in this war. Uh, this war is between Ukraine and Russia. Uh, Russia, uh, evidently, in the words of, uh, of several politicians, illegally invaded Ukraine. I don't know how that works. I'm not an expert on international law or whatnot, or kind of whatever the rules and uh, regulations the UN has on warfare, however that works. But apparently it's an illegal invasion that Russia made on Ukraine. Russia, if you don't know your history, uh, Ukraine used to be part of, uh, not necessarily Russia, but part of the USSR, the Soviet Union, uh, back in the day. Uh, U- Ukraine was one of the um, uh, Soviet satellite states, um, along with several other states uh, surrounding Ukraine. A lot of those Eastern European countries, if not really all of the Eastern European countries, uh, were at one time Soviet uh, uh, part of the Soviet uh, Union, the Soviet so-called Soviet Republic, whatever they thought they wanted to call it. And um, uh, Ukraine uh, is been uh, uh, free from this for for quite a long time since the really i think since the um the, the fall of the ussr uh, as a as a nation which of course now what's left of what the soviet union was is now russia 
uh, supposedly in some kind of democracy, whatever they think they're running over there. But uh, Russia believes that Ukraine, or at least something that Ukraine has, I, for, I forget, I should know this, but uh, uh, I knew this when the war began, but I forgot. But something Ukraine has or something about Ukraine Russia feels uh, is theirs or that they are deserving of, whether it's the nation and the people, or what, I think it has to do something with, or I, they came up with an excuse. I think the real thing is, is that they just wanted to invade Ukraine, um, most likely for or for domination of the territory. Um, I, this is something that people have been expecting for a while. I think coming up into this war, which uh, of course began a couple of years ago, uh, but um, I think their excuse had to do with something of some kind of land, some kind of uh, maybe oil deal going on. Uh, forgive me for my ignorance on on what happened. The, the point is, I don't think anyone really cares about what started the war anymore. Really, they're just more worried about what the current politics, wartime politics going on right now between Ukraine and Russia, and, and I think most importantly in our case, the United States. From the beginning, um, the United States, under the uh, noble leadership of President Joseph Biden, have uh, announced, or he did announce when, when the war began, and of course now continues uh, to support and back Ukraine uh, with aid, lots of money, lots of our money, going towards uh, the Ukrainian war effort. Uh, Ukraine, the leader or uh, quote-unquote president of Ukraine is Volodymyr Zelensky. He has been praised as a peacemaker, as a, as this great president who's leading his people in a time of war. Uh, Zelensky, if you don't know much about him, he is of uh, Jewish Ukrainian or Jewish Russian descent, I think is more accurate. Uh, so he is of uh, a little bit of Jewish descent, a little bit of Ukrainian. His, his father, uh, he, he wanted to go study in Jerusalem, in Israel, and his father uh, denied him that when he was um, uh, young. And uh, he was an actor for a while. He played in some movies. Uh, a voice actor, I think, for some of uh, the, um, uh, whatever, the the language, uh, the different languages for um, some American-made animated movies is, is what it kind of seemed like. But uh, he used to be an actor, became a politician, and was elected the Ukrainian president. That's who is currently their commander-in-chief during this war. Um, I, I call him a president because that's his title. Is that his position in the government? It seems less and less uh, like a president and more and more like a, a dictator, uh, more and more like a uh, military or, or more accurately a kind of a kind of a Stalin, Hitler, Mussolini type dictator. And we'll talk about that a little bit later. Zelensky, he is the one in charge of Ukraine, Russia. Uh, unless you've been hiding under a rock, you know that the president of Russia is Vladimir Putin. Now, don't get it confused with Volodymyr Zelensky. Their first names are not the same. They're different. It is Volodymyr and it is Vladimir. I know it's crazy different. <laughs> but uh, Putin is the current quote-unquote president of Russia. I say quote-unquote president because similar to Zelensky, I don't believe his role in their so-called democracy over there uh, really seems much uh, president-like as far as what well, I believe the term should be used um, in a real democratic republic, such as the United States of America up until the Biden administration. So, I don't know, maybe. We'll see. I don't know where we're going. But uh, Vladimir Putin is the current president of Russia. He was the one who ordered the invasion of Ukraine. So now that we've got everything kind of settled out, for those of you who don't um, know a lot about the war, which happens to be me as well. My point is I'm worried about 
the politics of the war. Zelensky has been praised as this great peacemaker. He talks about it all the time. Hashtag, uh, what's his hashtag he does on Twitter all the time? It's like hashtag the peace plan or something like that. He's big into this peace thing. And uh, the world has rallied together in support of Ukraine. I've listened to Zelensky speak uh, to world leaders. Uh, I've seen him speak at different uh, with different interviews. And um, at face value, the, the way the media portrays him, he seems like this heroic, bold leader who is uh, attempting as the underdog country because Russia is, is a world power. Ukraine is not necessarily considered a world power. Uh, and Russia definitely has the upper hand in warfare. And uh, we've seen that so far in the war. Uh, and so with the backing from other countries, Zelensky has managed to hold off the Russian invasion up until this point, obviously, because the war is not over. But my problem is um, Zelensky, he, he's a little bit, um, how do you say, uh, uh, a bad president. And the reason I say this is because he's not a very uh, democratic president uh, in their so-called democracy. If you listen to many politicians, American politicians talk about or really any politicians across the world, but specifically American politicians, such as the, um, oh, the democracy expert Nancy Pelosi, Pelosi likes to point this out, that the Ukrainian war is more than just a war against Russia by Ukraine. It is a war for democracy. You hear this over and over and over again. You hear it from Joseph Biden. You hear it from a lot of these uh, leftist elites who like to, who, but, but, but the point is, is they're trying to lift, put this war as a war for not just uh, Ukraine against Russia, but what they say more importantly is a war for democracy i have incredible skepticism concerning that idea because what democracy are we fighting for ukraine even before the war was far from a functioning democracy i mean there's corruption in every uh country i believe in all politics uh, but i think ukraine uh, is on a is not a very democratic country, and we see this in its so-called democratic leader Zelensky. Just the other day, had a man imprisoned uh, during this wartime for daring to speak out against the democracy of Ukraine. Zelensky also was interviewed uh, the other day whether they would hold elections uh, during this wartime, and I think specifically this year uh, or next year. I, I don't know when they do their elections, uh, and his answer was maybe. Uh, if the war is ended by then, but if not, uh, we will do what we need, something like that, along the lines of that. That wasn't a quote, uh, but that was it was basically what he was saying. He basically his answer was uh, no, not really. Unless the war is over, then maybe we will, but really no. And I'm just gonna continue to be president and throw people in jail for disagreeing with me. Uh, if that sounds familiar, it's because it's very familiar. We've seen this throughout history. Uh, people like Hitler. Uh, what what was that in um, the Night of the Long Knives? I believe is is the historical uh, name uh, for Hitler. Uh, the night where he had several, uh, as many as he could get his hands on political opponents uh, murdered or imprisoned. Um, Stalin has done the same thing. Uh, just just look at every dictator in history. Mussolini. They all they all do the same thing. They have their political opponents silenced uh, via death or imprisonment. Uh, even think back to the uh, Stalin, uh, Stalin v. Trotsky uh, little kerfuffle, or however you want to say it. That was a, what am I saying? Uh, but the whole thing with Stalin and Trotsky, because at the end of, uh, of Lenin, of uh, Lenin's rule in, in Russia, uh, it was really up for grabs or up for debate as to who would um, 
be the next be the next in line to lead this new um, Soviet this new Soviet Republic that they had created, and many believed that it would be uh, Trotsky. They thought that he was he was the best fit. He probably was the best fit leader, and uh, he was he was very prominent already. He had in, in the in the um, Bolshevik party. He was a very prominent figure. He had the backing of a lot of a lot of different important entities, and he was thought to be the next man up. But obviously, ended up being uh, Joseph Stalin, not uh, Trotsky. And uh, Stalin ended up having Trotsky killed uh, years after his expulsion. He he ended up fleeing Russia and he hid for a while. But eventually, he was found and caught, found caught and killed by uh, one of Stalin's assassins or you know whatever. Um, but anyway, we we just see this through history. You know, if you think about it, in normal democracy, when there's not war going on, when there's not chaos. You have to debate your political opponents. Opponents. I mean, you look in America and you see Democrats and Republicans going at each other all the time, yelling, yelling, uh, jabbering, debating all the time, arguing all the time, um, and it's exhausting. It really is. But when your party, when your uh, political affiliate is in power, and it's wartime, there's chaos going on. Uh, you can take a much easier route, and instead of spending all this exhausting time debating people, you can just have them silenced by throwing them in jail. You don't have to debate anybody. You know what I mean? And their voice isn't going to be heard because they're either dead or in a place that no one can hear them. You yell all you want in prison. No one's going to hear you. No one important is going to hear you. And uh, we see this time and time again throughout history. And as we know, history has this nasty habit of repeating itself. And I think we're seeing this uh, currently in Zelensky's rule of Ukraine. He is silencing silencing political opponents using this war not as this great victory for democracy and for Ukraine, but rather for his own political gain. Because I think in the end, Zelensky understands that he has the backing of virtually the whole world, subtract Russia. And uh, even if he loses this war, he, he's going to be very, very praised. And he's going to be, I think, in a great position concerning uh, other world leaders. I heard this from a pastor and uh, I, this isn't uh, my claim. I don't say this would necessarily be his claim, but this was a very interesting take. Um, the, this pastor said that he believed that for the first time in his life, in his entire life, that he has, has thought of a possible, just a possible, not like he thinks he is, not like he thinks he will be, but a very, not even very, he just thinks a, a slightly possible candidate for uh, the Antichrist. And... If you haven't guessed yet, his his candidate is uh, Volodymyr Zelensky. And I, after doing some research, really find that a very intriguing thought. Uh, now, I'm not calling him the Antichrist. Please don't take my words out of context or I'm going to lose my time or my episode on Spotify probably. I'll probably do it anyway for even mentioning anything about it. But it's a very interesting thought because he is of partial Jewish descent. Um, so he's, he's not necessarily European. He, he's really just about as much uh, Middle Eastern as he is uh, Eastern European or Ukrainian or whatever else he is. And um, just he always talking about peace and, and the kind of backing he has from other world leaders. It's a very intriguing thought. Uh, so just kind of food for thought. Um, I personally don't believe that he will be. I think maybe he'll have some, uh, uh, we'll see some possible antichrist-like, uh, well, I think we already have some antichrist-like characteristics maybe from Zelensky and his rule in Ukraine. But as of now, there's there's no reason to believe that. There's re no reason to say that. I don't really know why I did. Um, but I, I just thought it was interesting. 
Uh, my point being through this all is I don't believe Volodymyr Zelensky is this great peacemaker, this great Ukrainian leader, bold, who's just, you know, making it through this war as an underdog through, you know, determination and love for his people. I think he, like pretty much any other politician now, is uh, greedy. I think he is um, proud, and I think he is very lustful for power and for for uh, very <laughs> turning very violent against his political opponents. And these are not th characteristics I see in a good person. Personally, I don't know about you. I don't know what I don't know what kind of people you like. Maybe you like, you know, the Stalin type, but I'm not not about that life. So. Moving on to Amer the American side of this, I am deeply concerned about the kind of backing we have given Ukraine. Now, Russia's invasion, I'm not condoning Russia's invasion whatsoever. I think it is uh, I think it was wrong, and I think it's bad, and I don't like Russia as a country. I definitely don't like Vladimir Putin. I think they're terrible. But um, personally, I would have left Ukraine and Russia alone because in the end, I don't believe um, it's going to affect America directly as of yet, and I don't believe fighting for Ukraine or Russia either side is going to benefit us or hurt us in any way. Like, I don't think, I, I think it's just going to be bad all the way around. Whoever wins the war, whoever loses the war, I just think it's a bad situation. I also don't like uh, the premise that we are fighting for Ukraine and that Ukraine's a good guys and that all this stuff and that you, we're fighting for democracy in Ukraine or in the world. Because it's so far from that. It's not democracy. We're not fighting for democracy. And the most ironic thing is that the people who are saying this stuff, uh, like the Joseph Biden and the Nancy Pelosi, these imbeciles we have in office, um, I mean, I hate to say it, but it, it really is true. They, they don't, I mean, these are the kind of people who are lecturing us about democracy. I mean, the kind of people who want to turn America into a socialist state. Uh, which, by the way, we have not seen one successful socialist country in the entire world. Don't you dare point to Sweden or Denmark or any of the Nordic countries because they're far from socialist. And in fact, the socialist parts, just take Sweden, for example, the socialist parts of Sweden are by far the worst parts of Sweden. Sweden, in a lot of ways, is more free market than America. So don't even try me on that, Bernie. I mean, there is, it's ridiculous that these are the kind of people that are telling us that we're fighting for democracy, that this is a war for democracy, and, you know, Leave it to the experts, I guess. You know, Nancy Pelosi, Joe Biden, they're politicians. They must be experts on democracy. No, no, they're not. They're not even experts on being intelligent. I don't even know what to say. I mean, the, it's just ridiculous. These the kind of people that think they can tell us the, as the people tell the American people uh, these kind of lies and just spit this out every single day. It's very sad. Um, uh, speaking of Joseph Biden, Joe Biden, however you want to call him. Uh, he is is a mess and i f i feel bad for the man almost i almost have pity for him cuz it it is really truly a sad thing to watch the health of a human being decline the way we have watched it um in our president um what's more sad is that we elected a man who should be put in a uh retirement home should have been put in a retirement home a long time ago uh and even more sad a man who should be in a retirement home in prison because he's a criminal uh his, him and his whole family, they're all criminals. Uh, but we're not going to talk about that because, right, we, we can't impeach Biden. We can't we can't do anything about it. We can't touch him. President does the kind of things that Biden does. President bribes uh, people or takes $5 million in bribes. Or a president uh, is, is involved with his son in all sorts of international illegal transactions. And that happens, you know, 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 years ago. And the president's out of office immediately. 
I mean, you think about the kind of stuff Richard Nixon left office for. Uh, that I don't think it holds a holds a candle to what uh, Joseph Biden has been accused of. Of course, we're not allowed to see this because these public files are ca classified. Let me say that again. These public files are classified according to the FBI. They won't let us see what is supposedly not classified. That obviously then makes it classified. So again, the kind of idiots we have in power, the kind of idiots who think that they know best to run our country. The scariest thing is, is that these idiots are the ones who are taking control and they're they're making the moves and and they're in powerful positions and they're getting things accomplished so i guess you can't fault them too much they're smart in some aspect they know how to get uh their agenda pushed and they're good at it but joe biden uh his backing of ukraine i think it's it's disappointing um but i think it's i think the democratic party needs to back ukraine because i think they need this war they need to be involved in this war because i think it's going to help them possibly, Lord willing not, possibly win the next presidency. The reason I say that is because the Democrats, the Democratic Party doesn't have to worry about anything when they are in control and there is chaos. I just talked about this before with Zelensky. Zelensky, Ukraine is in wartime, okay? So in wartime, in chaos, it is. it sounds fine to, to quote-unquote temporarily suspend democratic elections in the interest of uh, the war effort. That makes sense, right? Uh, so, if we can involve ourselves in this war, uh, we might not suspend, uh, temporarily suspend uh, democratic elections uh, in, you know, f to advance the war effort, but why would the Democratic Party worry about winning the presidency when we have electronic voting machines? I mean, who, who's, who's going who's, who's gonna to say anything about it? Because last time we tried, it got shut down so fast, so quickly, that there was you know, such an opposition against a recount of the votes or a checking of the machines, however they wanted to do it. Um, there was such a pushback against uh, the idea of voter fraud that, it, I mean, who talks about it anymore? I mean, it's been silenced so quickly that even some of the far right people were were, were trying to silence um, those who were speaking out against supposed voter fraud. Now, whether there was voter fraud or not in the last election, I'm not going to say. But I will say that it is scary the direction our nation is heading, especially concerning elections. I mean, how calm and collected the Democratic Party seems to be concerning the next election when they have maybe the worst candidate running, running again, that being Joe Biden, who, by the way, is was already the oldest president when he was elected. You know how old he's going to be if he gets to serve another term? But I don't think they have to worry because I think they can cheat the system. And I think when you're in power, when you have chaos... It's really easy to, to, to slip through the crowd and, and cheat the system. And this is what I'm worried about. I'm not saying I think it'll happen. It's just an idea. Uh, I think that if we get real, if we have real, honest, uh, um, non-fraudulent elections, I don't think the Democratic Party stands a chance. Whether it's Trump or DeSantis, I don't think they stand a chance because Joe Biden has lost the uh, trust of the people. The Democratic Party as a whole has lost the trust of the people I currently uh, believe that to be true and i think it's it's hard not to see that i mean unanimously most people have the idea that joe biden has done an atrocious job as president of the united states it's disappointing really but uh we'll be i'll be interested to see how it turns out i also think if joe biden is reelected, i don't believe he'll serve he'll serve his full term uh maybe one or two years but i think it will go to the vice president who i, I don't know again i don't this is all speculation but I, i'm not sure it would be 
uh, Kamala Harris. And my reason being is because I don't really think anyone wants Kamala Harris to be the president, honestly. I mean, it's kind of sad how disliked Kamala Harris is. I mean, from all parties. I mean, no one likes Kamala Harris. And I, I, I just, I, that's the way I kind of see it. I kind of feel like that's the way it is, um, which, which kind of sucks for her. But uh, I do think, um, I mean, I think she's she's terrible anyway. So if she was, you know, president, uh, in my view, I think she'd be terrible president anyway. But I don't think she will uh, be the vice president if uh, Joseph Biden got elected again. I would think that they would have to find a better replacement because I think they need someone else that they could control a lot more because I don't think they control Kamala Harris the way that they can they have controlled Joe Biden. I think they need someone they can control a lot easier. And um, also somebody who, who's um, maybe a bit more liked, you know, unanimously. So somebody that comes to mind, uh, this was Tucker Carlson's idea. Actually, I heard this from him and I actually thought it wasn't a bad idea. Um, if you take the states, the states of these great United States and you think of, you know, kind of poster child of each party. I mean, you think the Republican Party, I think Texas maybe, but more and more Florida, probably. I mean, DeSantis, go DeSantis. Ron DeSantis 2024. I'm just kidding. I mean, not anyway. <laughs> so, you know, you can kind of think of states where you can really see red, blue, red, blue. If we're talking about the poster child or the democratic state in this nation, it is undoubtedly the wicked, wretched state of California. I mean, it is so blue that it's virtually black. I mean, California is the bluest state in the history of blue states and the current leader of that blue state is gavin newsom and i think he would be a prime candidate as vice president for joe biden if he were to be reelected in 2024 lord willing he will not be again this is all speculation but based off of my current thoughts i think gavin newsom is a great candidate for the democratic party as far as vice president if again if if and only if and lord willing not if joe biden was or were to be reelected in 2024 and I think he would only, I don't think he would serve out his term. I think Gavin Newsom, whoever the vice president would be, would take the presidency. And um, I also think Gavin Newsom is really easy to control compared to Kamala Harris uh, as far as that's concerned. But man, California is a wreck. Uh, absolute wreck. <laughs> man, talk about, th this is off topic, but it's something I was just thinking about the other day. I mean, California, again, is kind of the poster child for democratic states. It is the democratic state. And it's pretty much been the state where they can test most all of their uh as far as that scale goes as far as the scale of a state goes it, they've tested pretty much all their socialist democratic ideas out on california if we're looking at just a city portland that's a great picture of what the democrats want for america so if you haven't been to portland don't go uh just just find out what's going on over there because portland is wild but anyway uh california as far as that scale goes the scale of, of a state um, they, they are virtually no Republicans in office there. I mean, there are some, but, but they are the vast minority. And, uh, I think the population too, vast minority Republicans. Oh, by the way, if you are a Republican living in California, uh, you need, uh, to, to get your tail out of there as fast as possible. It is not worth it. It is not worth staying in California. There is no, almost zero good that will come from you living in California. It's worth the move for the the security of our nation so please move to florida or ohio or, or 
really actually moved to a swing state, one of the states that will or is kind of on the edge of Republican and Democrats. So that's my message to all the Republicans in California. But my point is, is California is kind of the one where all, all these, you know, elitists come out and say things that they think that the American people want to hear. They, they act like they're voices of the people, you know, voices for LGBTQ people, LGBT plus, whatever they are, and voices for the, uh, the, my, the, you know, minorities of, you know, races of the, the Hispanics or whatever, the, oh, forgive me, forgive me, forgive me, the Latinos and the African-Americans and whatnot and whatnot and whatnot. They act like they're the voices for this and that they're trying to help these people. And they're all these Democrats that are just, you know, they're really just sympathizing with all of these people who are so uh, discriminated against because of their brilliant theory of CRT. I don't know. But I don't know what that's a theory, 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 their theory of critical race theory, which is really just Marxism. But my point is. All of these people, all these prominent people are coming from California, all these actors and athletes and whatnot. Um, if you're living in California, uh, you are an elitist. And I am say that because if you're living in California, you have to be rich. And that is because the average housing costs, I believe, in California right now is somewhere around $800,000. Don't quote me on that, but it is it's definitely close to that. And it is because of the way they have their zoning laws. It's because the way they have all of their, uh, uh, all, all just the way they have their housing set up and whatnot. Um, preferring uh, single resident, single family uh, resident houses compared to apartment complexes or duplexes or anything like that. They have their neighborhoods set up specifically for that kind of look. And of course, you know the real estate has gone up exponentially, especially in the last few years. So m my point is, is that the people who are saying these things, uh, all of, that they're saying they're backing the um, uh, Democratic Party, that they are, are in alignment with the views of the Democratic Party. The same people are elites. They're elitist. And, and they're, they're the wealthy, they're the white wealthy people who live in California, all these actors, athletes, and now maybe not white, but the, the wealthy people that are telling this stuff, you know, to, to the, how do you say it, the disadvantaged or, or the, the uh, oppressed. Now, they won't say that. Um, but that's really, what, that's really how they see it. So I just thought it was kind of wild, the hypocrisy of the Democratic Party, that all these, you know, California is a democratic state, but if you're living in California, you're a hip hypocritical Democrat if you're a Democrat living in California because you're rich, because you have to be, because you have to have money to live in California. Um, and that's, that's really all I have to say. I mean, just the crazy hypocrisy of the Democratic Party. I can barely stand it. Um, so I, as you can may have, you know, realized from this podcast episode, I am what some might call radical. <laughs> and this is just the beginning because there's a lot of topics that I'm very passionate about. Of course, as I said before, you, you can't get consumed into this stuff. You can't get taken by it. That's why the title is what it is. It's a reminder for us that this is important, good stuff to talk about, but it is not the most important things to talk about. The most important things to talk about is the gospel, the word of God. Uh, that is our mission as Christians, because even as the world gets is worse and worse and persecution might rise more and more for us, for, for Christians sharing the gospel, it is our duty. It is our, our the greatest service uh, for us to do that. I believe that God has for the church to do is the service of, of witnessing and of sharing the gospel. God is not willing that any should perish, but all should come to repentance. He's, he does not take pleasure in the death of the wicked. And we are to every day be a witness 
uh, um, to, to share the gospel. To, to, and you have to, you know, faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God, but how can they hear if they have not a preacher? You know, we have to speak. We have to, we have to share these things, the word of God, the gospel, the truth about Jesus Christ and salvation. We have to speak it, to share it out loud in public for people to hear it and to believe it. Um, so that is I, the most important thing for us and the most important thing I, I want to share on this podcast. But um, politics, um, they're intriguing. Uh, they get people riled up. Like I, They get me riled up. They get you to say things that sometimes you don't even mean, which I pray I didn't in this episode because I feel like I do in every single episode. Always things I feel like I should have said that I didn't say things I said that I felt like I shouldn't have said. Man, but ain't that the way it goes. I appreciate you for staying with me in my ranting and... Um, as always, oh, go ahead and ask a question too. If you're on listening on Spotify, you can go type in a question for me and I will answer it if you want to. So um, thank you for listening. And as always, until next time.